Welcome to Clear Thinking Out Loud, written and narrated by Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. Hi, I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge, and welcome to Should You Ever Pass Judgment on Your Clients? Three Steps to Help You Decide. Now, I think it was Mark Twain that said, to a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And a client of mine, years ago called Kathleen, or who I'll call Kathleen, sat bolt upright and her eyes were gleaming maniacally because she'd been on a series of Awaken workshops over the previous year and she was well and truly indoctrinated, as I saw it. She'd spend weeks away from home on these retreats and it really did seem to me as though she'd been uh, conditioned by these experiences. And what she said to me was that I, I learned that I am everything, she said, uh, with zealous glee, in fact. You know, it, it's by following my happiness and only my happiness that I can reach enlightened fulfillment. And as a result of this enlightenment, she had left her loving husband and three children under the age of five because apparently they weighed her down. Okay. She loved them, she told me, but she loved herself more. As a result of her search for enlightenment, her young children were now effectively motherless. My therapeutic objectivity was now as distant as Kathleen's maternal instinct. And because I knew full well that it's not the selfish search for personal ease or happiness that gives us meaning in life, not in any sustainable way anyway. So look at a reference one in the written article. As we know, well-being tends to be a byproduct of meaningful living, which in turn seems to come from being connected to other people in meaningful ways. And fulfilling responsibilities is a big part of that. And God, I, I know how old-fashioned this sounds now, you know, how sort of a regressive as though the postmodern um, 1960s ethos had never existed. So why had Kathleen come to see me? As I asked the question for the first time, the um, fervid light left her eyes and she looked at me as if to say, don't you dare judge me. And she said, you know, Mark, people can be so judgmental. And then she sort of eyed me with a, a kind of challenge for me to judge her. And she said, I, what I want from this therapy, I want to rise above it when my sister gets angry with me. I want to feel calm when my own mother criticizes me for doing my own thing. Now, let's think about this. Biases and presuppositions or assumptions streamed through me. You know, expectations as to the desirability of fulfilling responsibilities as best as possible was at the forefront of my mind. You know, assumptions that a parent should put their children first, at least when the children are young, was all I could think about at this point. You know, so bristling at selfishness cast as a search for enlightenment as though human growth can only come about through casting off difficulties, uh, you know, it really struck me as not the way to go about things. Okay. So how the world shapes who we are. If you think about it, we're all little bundles of indoctrinated conditionings encased within drives for personal interest. See a reference to the article. But we can be so much more than that. You know, if we're not vigilant, as we age, the rust on our mirrors of perception grows thicker through habit and all the usual dries of endemic brainwashing from our environment. You know, we start to see in limited ways which accord with what we've picked up 
from our environment and we see what we want to see and we reject what doesn't suit us to accept. You know, anything and everyone we encounter is either acceptable or unacceptable, like or dislike. Okay. Everything is either good or if it doesn't fit our presuppositions, it's bad. This is inevitable when we live in cultures that from cradle to grave can't help but shape us through education, groupthink, fear, and greed. You know, we feel we're unique even as we think and behave just like millions of other people. But we can transcend this to an extent, at least I think. So if we think about education, true education versus brainwashing, And I think true education helps us to think clearly, to contextualize and see bigger patterns of reality. Whereas indoctrination, on the other hand, uh, whether from educational establishments or cults or culture, does the opposite. Indoctrination turns us into mere carriers of ideas, which we uh, are then felt to be, or we then feel to be immutable truths You know, unlike education, it blocks us from examining our own assumptions. It disables us, preventing us from questioning or thinking about our beliefs or those of other people, or looking at where those beliefs might have come from, or how valid they are in different contexts. We become quick to focus on where others have gone wrong, which saves us from having to examine our own selves. So indoctrination, which can come from anywhere traps us into limited and dogmatic patterns of narrow context. Educational, on the other hand, should widen context. Education, as opposed to indoctrination, helps us to see how what we've learned fits into the wider pattern of reality. And it also helps us see where it might not apply. As the classical Sufi poet Omar Khayyam wrote, the human being is a lantern of imaginings inside a pretty lamp. So what of my client Kathleen? How was I to truly help her? Well, maybe I hadn't been sufficiently indoctrinated by the uh, nihilistic relativist uh, philosophy that's flooded our times and you find everywhere permeated and uh, and washed through culture on so many different levels. A a philosophy that posits or proclaims with utter certainty Uh, that nothing is really true, that everything is as valid as everything else, that there are no absolute truths or standards. Jumping off a cliff is just as valid as staying safe. So it makes the absolute judgment that we should never judge, okay, which is a paradox. And, you know, I don't know, but I, I really struggled with the idea of trying to help Kathleen rise above what seemed to me to be perfectly justified anger from other people in her life, that she'd abandoned her own young children and a perfectly decent husband. So don't get me wrong, I think we should be calm and objective, blended with useful levels of empathy when working with our clients. But that is not always easy. And I've thought long and hard about this. So here are some tips from my own observations as to how we can, as far as possible, work effectively with clients, even though they might challenge our own assumptions and values. So step number one, See what comes up for you. Okay. See what pattern match gets triggered in your own mind by your client. So although I don't like to admit it, my first thought when Kathleen told me with glee how she'd seen the light and left her children and husband to pursue her own joy was to think, you selfish 
dot, dot, dot. And I couldn't help but find myself thinking about her children. And then I noticed another feeling within myself. And it was a feeling of pity and regret. Into my mind, through a process of pattern matching, popped my granddad, the grandfather that I'd never really known. And my granddad had suffered a lifelong stutter, apparently. And his mother had left him and his brothers when they were very, very young. He'd had three other brothers, and they were all very young. And she'd run off with another man, leaving my great-grandfather to bring up his four sons alone. And my granddad's father had told him, for some reason, that his absent mother had gone off to get some milk. That was the, the story that he told them for years, that why she'd disappeared. So for years, very naively, every time the milkman brought milk, my grandfather child, childishly uh, believed that his mother uh, might return at that point. Now, my granddad died from a catastrophic heart attack at the age of 46, so I never really knew him. But my great-grandmother lived to a great age, and she had been a free and careless spirit. But in a world with consequences for other people, that can't help but have uh, devastating ripple effects sometimes. And that's what this client in front of me's story brought up to my mind. My objectivity was compromised because of my own family history. But that was okay. At least I understood this. So the first step is simply to watch yourself and your own reactions as though you were someone else and see what kind of pattern matching is going on for you in response to your client's uh, narratives. Step two, do you still feel your response is natural and valid or can you distance yourself from your response, you know, and, and go past it? So in Kathleen's case, it was no good. I simply couldn't discount my visceral reaction to what she was telling me. Even had I not been reminded of my great grandmother's abandonment of, again, by all accounts, a perfectly decent man and her four sons, all under 10, I still couldn't have gotten on board with Kathleen's actions and goals. So I asked her gently whether she was truly convinced that she was doing the right thing. And I attempted to discuss with her whether a philosophy of pure self-interest okay, and self-indulgence and the chasing of immediate but transitory pleasures without thought of vulnerable others really was the royal road to personal enrichment and enlightenment. Could the beliefs inculcated into her by the self-improvement cult she, and by proxy her husband and children, had become prey to, possibly even just slightly, have been wrong. Okay, absolutely not. And she was a thousand times more protective of the cult, as I thought of it, than of her children's interests. As for helping her feel immune to the anger of those around her, I couldn't help. I just couldn't help but feel that that anger was justified. So we sometimes use hypnosis for physical pain control. But if someone told me they wanted to feel no pain while being burnt or to feel less pain in their broken leg to save them the bother of having to uh, go to hospital and get it fixed, I would suggest the pain is really there for a, right, a vital reason. Okay. Now, there are many valid reasons for leaving a marriage, of course. You know, individual circumstances alter cases. All this I thought about as I sat with Kathleen. I worked uh, with a man once who beat his wife. Okay. And he, he uh, divulged this piece of information to me and I encouraged him to feel worse about beating her 
to the point that those sorry feelings would come to the fore whenever he even felt he was losing control. We wanted that reaction because it was a valid reaction. Not all things are equally valid. So being sorry after the fact is not as valid, after beating his wife is not as valid as stopping himself doing it before he's tempted to abuse her in that way. So that was a time when I needed to be judgmental for my client's benefit and of course his wife's benefit. And he did stop beating his wife. And I know this because she later came to see me about something else. Okay. And lastly, step three, consider your options. Once we've examined our own assumptions and seen as far as possible why we might have reacted as we did to a client, we must consider whether our reaction is valid and justified. And if we conclude that it is, then we need to consider our options. A therapist I had um, trained contacted me once to tell me that she was in a quandary. She'd like me to advise her on what to do. So I told her that I'd try. She told me that a client of hers, a man, had told her that he wanted her to help him overcome his feelings of guilt after viewing child pornography online. And, and he um, hadn't been self-recriminating about this at all, as well, despite the fact that it was illegal as well as immoral. And, um, you know, she didn't know what to do. And she said to me that she knew she shouldn't be judgmental. She knew she shouldn't judge him. And I asked her what had led her to that judgment. And I told her sometimes we have to judge and that she had some important decisions to make. We can only be client-led to a certain point. Imagine you're trying to rescue someone from a burning building and they try to convince you their current need is to lie down and take a nap. Are you led by them in that instance or by your own instincts? The everything is valid should never be judgmental idea pertains much more neatly to theory and abstract thinking than it does to practical, observable, context-shifting reality. Fate intervened anyway in her case, and her client was arrested after viewing this material on a work computer, but she told me she'd learned a strong lesson from the whole incident. So for the vast majority of my clients, and in fact um, Kathleen is the only exception I can think of, I can find something to like, respect, admire, and find good in them. Often many things, but the vast majority of clients I like, even if they're not too similar to me. For most clients, I find I can help them in ways they want to be helped, Okay, even if their life is very different to mine. But I tried, I really did try to find a way in with Kathleen. And eventually I told her that I felt I wasn't the person to work with her. I just couldn't get on side with trying to make her care even less about focusing purely on her own needs and even less on other people's. And she was shocked by my frankness. And maybe that shock was the best therapy for her. Who knows? But she told me that I just didn't understand. And on reflection, I'm glad I didn't. So I hope you found that useful. I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. And if you'd like to subscribe to my email newsletter, you can find it over at unk.com slash blog. That's unk.com slash blog. (laughs) 